0: Crypto for planners. Crypto for planners. You are now tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for planners.
1: Uh Welcome back to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the financial planning industry. As always, I'm Justin, and with me here is Steve again. We're excited to be with you because uh, a lot has happening in the world of crypto.
0: Yeah, Justin, it's good to be back and it's great timing because there is a lot happening specifically in the world of uh, financial advisors as far as having access to a new cryptocurrency product. So we're excited to talk about that today. Uh, before we get into that, again, wanted to remind you this podcast brought to you by Planner Dow. There's some good things going on. Uh, We are uh, announcing the formation of a new working group in Planner a compliance working group. So (laughs) Matt Koleski from Arbor Digital has decided to head that up. Uh, I'm going to help him out for a little bit, Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about what that means over the next uh, few weeks and even few months. But we're excited to have a group of advisors dedicated to Staying on top of the compliance changes in cryptocurrency and digital assets.
1: Yeah, that definitely sounds like a a real barn burner, real crowd pleaser, a bunch of people talking about (laughs) compliance. Um, now we, we, uh, we definitely, uh, are excited to have, um, really sharp people, um, with a lot of experience, uh, who understand the, um, the, the, The requirements and the ramifications of giving um, digital asset advice and planners to to help navigate uh, that space for the planner DAO, And again, just one of the many uh, awesome reasons to be a part of the planner DAO is the the quality of people who are here working together to build the solutions for advisors is is first class. You're not going to find another group that can compare, in my humble opinion.
0: Absolutely. So let's get on to the main event. It's what everybody is talking about this week, Justin.
1: Yeah, it's funny. When we started the show prep, we were talking about whether a Bitcoin ETF uh, was finally coming. And uh, (laughs) since then, we now have um, the first Bitcoin ETF to hit a record a billion dollars in asset management in just two days. So Steve, we have our first ever Bitcoin ETF, it's a futures-based ETF, uh, B-I-T-O, it's being uh, operated by ProShares. How in the world do advisors think about, um, first off, a Bitcoin ETF, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about the differences between a futures-based ETF and what that means for uh, advisors and for clients.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, great point. So I think the most interesting place to start is what I contacted you about uh, on Monday, Justin, and that is ProShares already had a mutual fund version of this product. And and I've got to be honest, I I didn't know that. No, Um, me neither. I had heard some rumblings and I wasn't sure. I was a little surprised when I learned that. And it's very similar to the ETF. And I think the interesting point there is, is how big of a deal ETFs are now. Funds are almost like, eh, a fund, maybe I'll have access to it, maybe I won't, maybe it'll make sense, maybe it won't. But an ETF just confers instant credibility um, with advisors to a certain extent, but the bigger point is with the general public. the The media didn't didn't latch onto this, didn't uh, want to really report it as a big deal until an ETF was launched, which which I'm still a little fascinated by.
1: <laughs> I know. I think um, I, I definitely think this is a, a one of those markers in our industry that lets you know, um, you know the the idea of an ETF, the idea of access to to you know liquidity and trading um, during the entire um, cycle. And this idea that you know, ETFs are more cost-effective, cost-efficient than mutual funds, that idea is one. And even if it's not necessarily true, because we can talk a little bit more about um, this ProShares ETFs uh, you know, fund structure and fees and things like that, even if that, that the reality is, is not exactly true, the industry has adopted ETFs as the go-to mechanism for gaining access to, to different um, asset classes.
0: So let's jump in a little bit to what's going on here. So, all of the companies that have applied for pure Bitcoin ETFs are still waiting for approval. There was the initial eight. I've seen some more trickle in. I assume it's in double digits now. I don't know the, the most recent count. Um, but what these ETFs are trying to do is they're trying to uh, they're trying to basically in, they're trying to hold the Bitcoin directly, mm-hmm. one way or another. So you actually own the underlying asset, which, again, will save the issues with that for another day. But but that's what they're trying to do. Uh, this differs in the fact that they did not apply to be a Bitcoin ETF and hold the Bitcoin directly in a custodial solution. It's a Bitcoin futures ETF, meaning they hold claims on the future price of Bitcoin.
1: So why why does that matter um, you know, at the end of the day, if if you're an advisor and you just see the price of Bitcoin and crypto moving and all you're looking to do is just kind of latch on to some of that performance, um, why why would the difference between a spot based ETF and a futures based ETF really matter to you?
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of different issues here, right? And And the main thing that matters with futures versus spot is the futures exists today (laughs) and the spot does not. So I think we need to start there. And that's the reason that pro shares went this route is because these futures contracts trade on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And so they're regulated here in the U.S., So whereas holding the underlying Bitcoin, how does the SEC regulate that out of that, verify that? That's still being worked out, and that's the delay. These futures contracts are up and running as legitimate futures contracts. So the SEC can say, hey, we know these are being regulated and watched and executed and held accountable. That's why they went ahead with that. So as far as why futures and why now? Well, because futures are currently regulated, and why now? Um, because there's now enough volume to say, Hey, this ETF makes sense.
1: Yeah. A a billion dollars in AUM in under three days. It's, it's just incredible. The, the, the demand for, again, for digital assets. I mean, people, um, clients, institutions that they're, they're all looking for, uh, this asset class. So let's, let's get into a little bit about some of the nuances of fee structure and, um, you know just that this idea that we're still seeing um some some concerns about the the additional fees that are uh, sort of in this this ETF um let, let's talk a little bit about what exactly is bito um getting for all of their hard work
0: yeah so uh, on on the high level i had a a pretty sharp reporter from a uh, RA Intel asked me about this and they were, they were digging through the prospectus and like, okay, it looks like it's 95 basis points is going to be the fee. Is that a lot? And it's like, well, for an, for an ETF. Yeah, that is a lot. You know, we have basically large cap us funds that are free. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think when I use it, Schwab is seven bips might be down to five now, you know, so, and, you know, and, more, and most of maybe around 20 to 25 bips. Um, so for, I said for an ETF, yes. But for access legal access to cryptocurrency and regulated access that's, su- that's super cheap yeah so whether you're using a solution like I am through through Gemini and blockchain or a grayscale or a bitwise you know that you're in the two or three two to three percent range you know b- before trading costs and so again not a giant deal because of the potential and the volatility of the asset class so on the one hand as an ETF people are going to think, wow that's expensive but since they're delivering, exposure to Bitcoin um, it actually seems pretty cheap to me yeah
1: it's funny I I I think its just a sign of the times of maybe how spoiled we've become when the first major pushback I saw on Twitter was was talking about the the fees that you know the, the this fee structure for the CTF it's crazy you know and, and I remember when mutual funds were, you know, over two percent and that was standard for a US large cap, you know, quote unquote growth fund where um, you know, these these really savvy uh you know investment teams were, were picking winners for you and it was a major cost. And now we see something that's you know just under one percent and there's pushback like The, the fees should, you know, should be, uh, you know, as close to, to, you know, nothing as possible. I, I think it's, it's definitely a, a sign of the times of how spoiled we are. And I also think we have forgotten that, you know, alternative asset classes in general have always carried larger fees, um, because there, there's, there's a little bit more, you know, nuance and complication to, to the asset, whether it's, they're just not as liquid or there's just issues that, the extra couple percentage, you know, extra couple BIPs are, are there to help give you uh, better access to, you know, these alternatives.
0: Yeah. So personally, I think, I think cryptocurrency is going to bring on the revival of active investment managers in this country. Mm-hmm. And and that's a topic for another podcast we can do exclusively. Yeah. Write that um, down in turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but in the, but in the meantime, um, you know, we, we, we go with what we have here and you know i think about something like uh like the the non-traded reits we use in the business mm-hmm. so you know you look through those prospectuses uh and they're pretty insane right that the, the rare clients who look through them they're like uh <laughs> why are we doing this and, and you know and by the time there's the incentive fee and the operating fee and the acquisition fees and those the fees are insane but at the end of the day if they're delivering my clients five to six percent tax-advantaged yield uh, plus getting capital appreciation plus being so diversified there's not a ton of risk there or they can get into a Pimco total return bond fund for I don't even know what that that's at now right 2530 bips sure. who, who ETF right what is it you know like are the fees that big of a deal? Then, it, it, you know, it, do you want to be in a super cheap corporate bond bond ETF right now, getting your butt kicked, but saying you're you're saving on fees, or do you want to pay a little more for something else? So, again, when it's a commodity, um, not in the literal sense, but in the in the more popular use of the term, when it's a commodity, obviously you want to get those fees down. But when it's providing something unique, fees can be a distraction.
1: Yeah, that 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 really is the the second takeaway I had was. We're we're arguing over a few basis points when the outlandish returns that it offers and the diversification to a traditional portfolio, the the upside is so much more gigantically awesome compared to, well, should we really get this for maybe 25 basis points less? I mean, it's it's like the the argument and the, the pushback was focused on the completely wrong thing. So let's 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 transition into the conversations that you need to be having with your clients, because I don't know about you. I've gotten a couple of phone calls asking us about what is this, you know, pro shares thing and, you know, should we be looking at it? And, and oh, my goodness, it's, you know, Bitcoin, the price is going up. And so what are the conversations you should be having with your clients around the, the pros and cons of adding a Bitcoin futures based ETF versus maybe some other ways that you can hold a known Bitcoin?
0: Yeah, so while this isn't where we want to end up with management of crypto assets and especially Bitcoin, um, it's here today, like like we mentioned earlier. So while we can't let the perfect be the enemy of great, you know, we also can't let okay be the enemy of non (laughs) existent. And so and so I think we need to deal with the reality that this is a tool we have right now without introducing a whole new set of processes and account openings and compliance systems to add this to a client portfolio. So how I would advise financial advisors to think about this is really in terms of exposure to the asset class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at planner Dow, we're diving deeper into the benefits of decentralization and owning it directly and borrowing against your own assets and, and some advanced things we'll get to over the months, uh, here. But in the meantime, um, you know, there's still a case that people just need exposure to the asset class because it's it's going to grow and it's a great investment. And so that being said, we, we now have access to that. So although it's not what we want to see, I, I wouldn't like to see advisors investing in this a year from now. Uh, right now is a, a great time to do it because it's here and you can start to introduce them to the concepts and the volatility of it and how it interacts with the rest of their portfolio. So I think that's the main takeaway for me is the exposure to the asset class itself.
1: Yeah, that I, I think that that's a really key point. That here here is another opportunity for advisors to have a conversation with their clients uh, about digital assets, about Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and crypto in, at, at large. And this I find is a a far more palpable conversation for clients. They they are like we talked about in the beginning. They are comfortable with an ETF structure. And so when they, they finally see, okay, it's a Bitcoin ETF, there is this idea that they're, they're going to have the ability to get in and out of it if they need to. It it gives them, you know, some, some comfort that this is a compliant thing. It's easy to add into their additional portfolios alongside their other investments. And so I, I think the, the, the the big takeaway is, is this is an opportunity to introduce it um, into um, their, their existing portfolios that they have on, you know, Schwab, Fidelity, TD, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. And, and the main conversation outside of, you know, volatility, how it's going to fit in your portfolio. is so, hey, what, what the heck do I own?
1: Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, you own, you own some futures contracts um, that are not even, not even paper, right? You just own some digital claims on Bitcoin in theory. So, so the futures ETF, right? So the kind of the big difference. So, so you might've seen grayscale just applied to convert one of their trust products into a Bitcoin spot Spot. ETF. Now spot ETF means they want to buy the actual Bitcoin. They want to own the Bitcoin underneath. And so it'll be based on the price of Bitcoin. Now that matches like the other people who have applied for it, the other firms that have applied for it. So it's unlikely to get approved, at least not in front of everybody else, um, But the futures price, like anything, you're not, you're not, you don't own the price of Bitcoin. You own what some people think the price of Bitcoin will be. Mm -hmm. And so will it track Bitcoin and correlate with Bitcoin? Of course, but there's also going to be periods of time where it's off and off to a significant degree. We've already seen, you know, a couple percentage point. We had some pretty good back at the envelope analysis, just in the Dow conversation on the website about how it's just over this, this month, their mutual fund anyway. Uh, the tracking was off by about one and a half percent, way more than the twenty basis points pro shares have been claiming so again i haven 't verified any of that myself, but certainly some some interesting com- uh, conversation and interesting points to think about with that
1: yeah, and I think the uh, the the main point that i 'm i 'm going to try to have with my clients is that this is a long term position that we're we 're interested in a a much larger macro story and owning uh, exposure to the asset class. And so yes, the the futures ETF is going to have gaps. There is going to be periods of potential underperformance um, to owning the actual asset. But this is, again, like we talked about, a a, a very easy on-ramp into your existing accounts. Um, I'm, I'm going to be excited to try to, to put them into retirement accounts. And the the hope would be this is a long-term hold um, to to truly capture, you know, the, the potential upside uh, to to the asset class. So. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, that's a really good point. So the conversation, you know, if, if this goes into some of my clients' accounts, a conversation will be, hey, this is a long-term investment in Bitcoin, but not this particular fund. Yeah. So this is a 1.0 we can put in your Schwab account. You know, we're going to keep getting better and better versions of this. So we're all in on, on Bitcoin as a, you know, small portion of your portfolio, but we're not all in on this fund. It's just the best we have today. And, and real quick, Justin, I'd say we already kind of seen some rumblings that there may not, there may not be enough futures contracts out there Mm. (laughs) to meet the demand of this fund. (laughs) So that's going to bear watching. And I think it's interesting. Um, Bitcoin's had a nice run, um, but ethers matched it. And as of recording, right. And this will change. Uh, Ether's up one and a half percent, and bitcoin 's down five percent over the last twenty four hours yeah and again, what I would say you know and I want to stick on the to- you know on the topic of Bitcoin here, but what i 'd say to that is that um, it 's exciting that this is launched, but at the end of the day it doesn 't give people direct access to bitcoin it doesn 't mm-hmm. really increase the demand on the blockchain for Bitcoin because these futures contracts are removed, so I think after the initial excitement. People have realized, hey, this this buy pressure, Mm -hmm. this buy demand has not appeared on the blockchain. So until the first Bitcoin ETF is approved, um, I think we'll see Bitcoin. But it's doing great and it's fantastic. But that huge bump everybody's looking for, I don't think it comes from a futures ETF.
1: Right. That's uh, that's a good point. And I think, again, this is why advisors need to be a part of a community that can have these conversations, that can understand um, the nuance of these issues, because, it's it's it sounds great on the surface. It sounds like this is an incredible development. Again, it's another feather in the cap of digital assets sticking and becoming a a major part of the financial uh, you know tools we have in our toolbox. But but it does mean to we have to understand what they are and how they really do fit in our clients' portfolios.
0: Yep, and. That's what we have on the Bitcoin ETF today. So jump into the DAO and join the conversation. We are talking about it and how to discuss it with our clients. Also a reminder that this is a decentralized podcast and so we'll have more information coming out shortly about how to participate. But in the meantime, you know, jump into the Dow and, and we've got a basic sign up form and we'd love for you to start submitting segments on things you want to hear about and, and you, and you yourself personally interviewing people you want to hear from, not not just asking us to do it. So that's what we're hoping to get. So uh, keep subscribing and liking, and we appreciate you stopping by.
1: Yeah, thanks for your time today, Steve. And thank you for listening to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.